could go ahead and have the youth group, 6 or 12, if you guys, uh, young men and young ladies, would like to go be with your peers. I really don't know why they would want to leave us, but hey, what can we do? Man, there goes a quarter of the church. Praise the Lord, young people in the church. <laughs> All right, this... I heard something. <laughs> this morning we're going to be reading from 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 and part 6 of our look uh, at this letter written by the Apostle Paul, of course inspired by the Holy Spirit, to the young church in the Roman city of Thessalonica. We've been in this for a few weeks now. I want to thank uh, Pastor Daniel for part five last week. Um, the source of my joy is what he entitled that, seen in chapter two. Today we're going to be uh, leaving chapter two and moving on to chapter three. So we'll, we'll be there in just a few minutes. I want to start out by sharing a story with you. Uh, there's a, a man, a Christian, a Christian guy, and his name, was, uh, his name was Bill, or is Bill, and he saw an, an online ad for a, get this, for a Christian horse. Now, I've seen demonic horses, but not a Christian horse over my years of experience, right? So a Christian guy named Bill saw an online ad for a Christian horse. So he went to check it out. Who wouldn't? Christian horse? I think I'd go check that out. What is that all about? So he goes and the horse owner he said, it's easy to ride him. Just say, praise the Lord to make him go and amen to make him stop. So Bill, he, got, he gets on the horse and he says, praise the Lord. And sure enough, the horse, it started to walk. Praise the Lord, he said again, and the horse began to trot. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, he yelled. And the horse, it broke out into a full gallop. Bill, he was enjoying his ride so much that he almost, he almost did not notice the cliff that he and the horse were about to go over. So Bill, and he noticed just, just at the nick of time as he was at the edge of the, the cliff, he yells, amen, at the top of his lungs and the horse, it stopped, it stopped right at the edge of, of the cliff. So Bill, being a, a born-again believer that he was, he was so relieved, he said, praise the Lord. <laughs> Everybody look at your neighbor this morning and say, praise the Lord. Praise now listen to Psalm 34, verses 1 and 3. It says, I will extol the Lord at all times. How many of you guys use that word extol in your daily vocabulary? Not very often, right? This word, I will extol the Lord at all times. Extol means I will praise the Lord enthusiastically at all times. Okay, so I will extol the Lord at all times. I will praise the Lord enthusiastically at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. Will always be on my lips. My soul will boast in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. 
Praise the Lord in good times and bad times. Praise the Lord when there, when there is no cliff. Praise the Lord when, when you see a cliff approaching. And praise the Lord if you find yourself going over the cliff. Of course, I'm referring to the circumstances of life. Here, in chapter 3, we see Paul, he, he's wondering, he, he's wondering how the believers are, are holding up in their faith journey as they face the many cliffs that are in their, in their lives. Let's pray. Father, we just come before you right now and I pray you would just cause each one of us to just put the to-do list aside. Lord, uh, whatever that looks like, just to, we've come to be uh, with you as the corporate body to worship you in song to look at the word of God may we may we hear may we receive may we apply God may you speak to every one of us in only a way that you can I just submit myself to you pray for your anointing upon this time in Jesus name amen so first Thessalonians chapter 3 we're going to be reading verses 1 through 5 this morning so when we, Paul, Silas, and Timothy, when we could stand it no longer, we thought it best to be uh, left by ourselves in Athens. So he could stand it no longer. His, his, his wondering what was happening with this church that they had to abruptly leave, if you remember from a few weeks ago. Uh, he's wondering, what, what's going on with this young church? How are they doing? And, and he, he says we had to be left by ourselves, meaning that him, himself, Paul and Silas were going to remain in Athens, and he was going to send the young protege, uh, Timothy, to kind of, kind of go into the area and see what's going on, and maybe it won't be as much unrest with him. So he sends Timothy to go check on this church, this young church. We sent Timothy, who is our brother and God's fellow worker in spreading the gospel of Christ, to strengthen and encourage you in your faith. So he's going to check them out and also strengthen and encourage them. Verse 3, so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. If you like to write in your Bible or anything, I, I circle or underline that, unsettled by these trials. He says, you know quite well that we were destined for them. Interesting sentence. You know quite well that we were destined for these unsettling trials. Verse 4, in fact... When we were with you, we kept telling you that we would be persecuted. And it turned out that way, as you well know. And verse 5, for this reason, when I could stand it no longer, meaning I, I had to know what's going on there, I sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid that in some way the tempter might have tempted you and our efforts might have been useless. There's a lot going on in those, those five verses. Paul sends Timothy to find out if this church plant, this young church has gone over the cliff, so to speak, the circumstances of life and left their faith. If they have succumbed, if they have succumbed to the unsettled trials they are facing from their current culture. In other words, were they still praising the Lord? Or did the unsettled circumstances of their culture draw, cause them to fall back? So Paul, in these five verses, he mentions three areas. 
Three areas he's concerned with, and we're going to quickly look at what he's writing. We're going to dive deeper into them in a few minutes. So he, he writes them about trials, okay, their trials. He's wondering about their trials. No doubt this, this young church living in this Roman-controlled city had to face the daily trials of, of paying taxes, providing for their families, as well as physical illness. There is nothing new under the sun, Amen. So they're going through the trials of life. It's called life. How are they, how are they holding up under that as, these, as a young church, born-again believers? Number two, their persecution. As we saw in Acts chapter 17 a few weeks ago, uh, that's where we see the story of this church plant here in Thessalonica. The Jewish religious leaders were extremely happy about what had taken place. Okay, I'll just leave it at that. We know that they weren't happy at all. If you read in Acts chapter 17, they were not happy. Uh, and so they were so unhappy, they, they stirred up the crowd. They got some characters in the, in the city there, and they stirred up a riot against them because they wanted to drive them out. They wanted to scare other people from turning to this new way, the sect, right? Uh, the new believers persecuted them. Paul reminded them that he would be persecuted, we just read that, while he was with them, much like many other places Paul visited, right? If he was persecuted, he's telling them that you're going to be persecuted as well. And I quickly want to mention the definition of persecution, and, and you're, I want you to hold on to that. We'll, we'll talk about it more in a few minutes, but hold on to this definition of persecution, what it means. It means hostility and ill and ill treatment, hostility and ill treatment, especially because of race or sexual orientation or political or religious beliefs. Okay, so hold on to that. We're going to talk more about that in just a few minutes. And then he also mentions the third area he, he's concerned with is temptation. Paul was afraid that in some way the tempter, Satan, we're going to talk more about this in a minute, might have tempted them and their efforts might have been useless. Tempted with seeds of doubt, tempted with the stuff of this world, tempted to stop praising the Lord in all things and fall in line with everyone else because it would be much easier. He's afraid. You see, this, this message to this church in Thessalonica is a message that we need to look at this morning. We need to look at closely and examine where we stand, not only as the church, the body of Christ, but individually. Are you ready to do that? You see, it goes without, it goes really without saying that we live in unsettling times in our current culture. Amen? Just think of how different things were five years ago and three years ago. and Just look at where we are right now. We live in unsettling times in our current culture. Uh, the coronavirus, wear a mask, not wear a mask, get the vaccination shot, don't get the shot. Right? Unsettling times. The current inflation of goods. How many of you filled up your car recently? The current of our, our bought any lumber. 
what is it, eight or nine bucks for a two by four? It used to be like a buck 97 or 97 cents, whatever it was. Unsettling times, cyber attacks, what's that about? The turmoil in Israel, gender confusion, political division, national debt, just to name a few. How many of you are feeling wonderful right now that I brought those all back up? You see, we live in unsettling times. It would appear that we are going over the cliff. Praise the Lord. It says to praise the Lord at all times. Praise the Lord. Now, just like Paul, I I am as a born-again believer and as your pastor concerned, very concerned with how we as the church and you as an individual disciple of Jesus will handle this current culture we find ourselves in. It's it's according to the word of God, it's not going to get any better, church. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But how do we handle ourselves in this current culture? How do we navigate these unsettling times? That's the message for us today. So we're going to look at that. We're going to, we're going to move it ahead now. Paul was concerned. He was wondering about this young church plant. But it also goes into play for each and every one of us today, the church of today. So let's talk about trials. Let's talk about trials. Jesus said this, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you might have trouble. Take heart, I have overcome the world. Did Jesus say you might? He clearly said you will. Not maybe, I might skirt around it, whatever. You will. In this world, you will have trouble. You will face trials. You will face the cliff. Everything from physical illness, financial issues, and relationship troubles. What it comes down to. What it comes down to is how you as a believer, as a born-again disciple of Jesus, as a believer, decide to handle these, situ- uh, these issues or these situations. Let me remind you how to start. How to start when these things come, when these troubles are on the horizon. How do you start? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You don't say not where is the Lord. Where is the Lord? Oh, woe is me. Oh, wait a minute. Jesus said... I will have trouble. I will. So not where is the Lord? The Lord hasn't gone anywhere. The trouble's here and he told me that I have it. So praise the Lord in all circumstances. Praise the Lord. Not where is the Lord? Praise the Lord. We as born again disciples of Jesus should not spend our time in worry or fear or doubt. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 6, 25 through 34. It's, I'm, I'm going to read all this because I think it's very, very important that each and every one of us that have heard these verses will be reminded. Maybe you haven't heard them and you need to hear them. These are the words of Jesus. He said, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. This is the same Jesus that said, 
you will have trials and troubles. And he says this, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why, why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what, will, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. So Jesus is saying, unbelievers run after all those things, and they get those things. How much more will he take care of you as his disciple? And then he says this, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Praise the Lord. Are you with me? You see, the answer to the trials and the troubles in this life is to seek First, Jesus says to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you. Let me break that down and even put it a little bit more bluntly. Here it is. Go after Jesus. Seek him. Go after Jesus. What would Jesus do, right? Obey his commands. What would Jesus do? Obey, follow him in word and in deed. Seek to be like him. Some of you may, may not see a cliff right now in life, right? Circumstances are good, no cliff. Some of you may, may see a, a cliff approaching on the horizon, and some of you may be going over the cliff right now as you sit here this morning. Circumstances of life. Seek him now and praise the Lord. That's how you navigate it. Seek Jesus first and praise, praise the Lord in all circumstances. I think back uh, before I was a born again believer, how I used to face the trials in life, right? Uh, it rains on the just as well as the unjust, meaning good things happen to bad people and good things uh, um Good things happen to bad people and, and unbelievers, excuse me, and the same for believers. Good and bad things happen to everybody. It's called life. That's what Jesus is telling us. I think back how I used to handle those situations before I was a born-again believer and how I handle them now. And it's much better now. It's much better now to say, Lord, I don't understand this. I don't know. I can't explain why this and this is happening. But I know you said there will be trouble. So, Lord, I know it says to seek you first and to praise the Lord. So I'm going to do that. And if you do that, if you put your faith in him, and if you continually do that, you'll notice 
that they don't have as big of impact as they used to have. You see, God always comes through. It's not your timing, it's his timing. It's not your will, it's his will. He's going to do something you didn't even expect. It may be a way better. It may not be the same, but he will come through in some way, shape, or form. It says this in James chapter 1, verse 12. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. So trials are going to come. Stand firm. Seek God and praise the Lord. Next up in these unsettling times we find in our current culture as well is persecution. Persecution. I'm going to read to you the definition one more time. Persecution is hostility and ill treatment especially because of race or sexual orientation or political or religious beliefs. I'm going to say a few things right now some of you may or may not agree with. But I'm going to say it anyway because that's what I do. Just because someone believes something different than you or someone different than all of us, whatever, you fill in the blank, does not give you or anyone else the right to mistreat them or be aggressive or violent. Do you hear me? We don't have, just because somebody doesn't believe and have the same faith and you don't believe, have the same faith, does not give you the right to mistreat them. To say bad words to them, that's mistreating. To be aggressive or violent. My mama used to always say, if she's watching now, if, and if you don't have something nice to say, don't say nothing at all. Conservative, liberal, Democrat, Republican, atheist, Muslim, Hindu, Mormon, Jewish, Christian, heterosexual, homosexual, white, black, brown, mask on, mask off, vaccine, no vaccine. Can we all just stop and take a deep breath? We need to learn to respect one another. You see, we live in a free country, don't we? Right now. So far. Free to live where and how we choose as long as we are not breaking any laws, we're not hurting people, stealing or destroying property, right? We're we're a country of laws. So we have the right to be free. We have the right to be at the Bridge Church this morning right now to worship the Lord uh, and the way we want to worship, right? We, we believe in the infallible word of God. This is our standard, our moral guide. This is what we believe, right? This is what we believe. It's our freedom of choice. Now, there's a whole host of other people in our community, in our world, in our state. Don't believe the same thing we believe. Free will, free country. We can't hate, treat them poorly because they believe different than us. I know that 
It's two-way street. I get it. You can't do that, church. Is that what Jesus did? He always spoke against the religious leaders. I think of the woman caught in adultery, right? Jesus confronted all those that accused her. He confronted all of them, and he said, you know, he who is without sin, throw the first stone. And before they knew it, it was just Jesus and the lady standing there, right? His grace abounds. But what did Jesus say to her? Did Jesus say, grace, 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 go your way? No, Jesus said, there is no one here accuse you. Now go and sin no more. There's grace, but we have to, we have to fulfill the grace, right? We can't judge people. When we judge people like that, when we do things like that, we're persecuting them. No wonder there's so much strife because everybody's being persecuted by the very definition of what persecution is. Please understand, we, we can and should still share our faith. I'm not saying don't speak the truth, right? I'm not saying that. People need to see the truth in you. You know, let people see the light in you. And sometimes you use words. We need to do it with kindness and in love. We're all sinners in need of a Savior. Praise the Lord if you have found the Savior and are serving him. Pray, uh, Pray for those who do not believe and stop judging them. Judging people always works out great, doesn't it? That's sarcasm. People need to know Love. People need to know love. Kindness and love. And maybe the only love they ever experience. This is how we we navigate while living in this world. To know we will be persecuted for our faith. We know it's going to happen. But we should not persecute others for whatever they have put their faith in. As long as they're not hurting other people, destroying property or breaking the law, right? If it's just freedom of whatever they put their faith in. Listen to this. The Bible talks, teaches us how to navigate this in the church and out of the church. This is what Paul wrote to the Corinthians when they were dealing with a believer in the church who had, was living in a sexual immoral situation. Even Paul says it's above what even pagans do. He's talking about a man in the church that was married to his father's wife. And he writes this, and I want you to listen to what he writes. In, uh, you can see it on the screen as well. It starts in 1 Corinthians 5, verse 9. He writes, I have written you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning, listen to this, not at all meaning the people of this world who are immoral or the greedy and the swindlers or the idolaters, the people of this world that are not believers that could care less what we believe in. In that case, you would have to leave this world but we're called to be the light of the world. He goes on. 
But now I am writing you that you must not associate with anyone who calls himself a brother, meaning a believer, but is sexually immoral or greedy, an idolater or a slanderer or a drunkard or a swindler, which such man I do not even eat. So he's talking about somebody in the church, a a self-professed, proclaimed, born-again disciple of Jesus. There's two different things he's talking about here. What business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Why would they care what you believe about a certain topic if not even on the same playing field? They're not a believers. They could care less. Why would an atheist care that you're going to criticize what they believe? They don't believe in God. They, could, they think this is foolish. Smile, befriend them, get to know them, and then maybe you can share your faith and they can share why they believe what they believe. Don't judge them, don't hate them, don't mistreat them, don't call them names. What good will it do? You see what he's saying here? You are not to judge those, you are not to judge those inside. God will judge those outside. Expel the wicked man from among you. See, we inside the church are supposed to be fruit inspectors. Are you growing in the Lord? If somebody is falling into sin, we we need to rebuke them gently, one-on-one. If that doesn't work, maybe go with another brother or sister. And then, you know, the Bible says in Matthew 18, we may have to get some leadership involved. But you see, we want to restore people. That's what it's about. We want to restore them. We want to see the fruit in their life. We want to help people stay in the fold, to stay with the Lord, to grow in the things of God. That's what we're called to do in the church. Now, again, I'm not telling you not to be ready to speak the truth in love. I'm not telling you not to share your faith. We're going to get to, I'm not telling you not to do any of those things. Just make sure your motives are right. I could go on Facebook all day long and rant with the best of you. (laughs) Trust me. But the Lord says, you probably ought to not write that. What good will it do? What good will it do? That's what Paul's telling us. We know as the time draws closer for the return of Jesus, his born again disciples, us, we're going to be persecuted for, for our faith. It's happening now all over the world. Be ready to respond in love and praise the Lord. Jesus said in Matthew 24, we will be persecuted. He said it. We'll talk about those timing things in the next few weeks when we, we start talking about the rapture. Next up in these unsettling times, the last one we find in our current culture is this, temptation. Everybody's favorite. Temptation. Okay, I won't make you raise your hand, but how many of you were tempted this morning? You're the pastor. Yeah, so what? I was tempted this morning. I'm sure I was tempted with something. Eat a donut. (laughs) Drink too much coffee. Of course, I'm joking. But temptation... It says this in 1 Peter 5, 8. It, be, it says, be self-controlled and alert. 
Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Especially born-again disciples of Jesus. He hates you. We have to understand our enemy, the devil, has been defeated, right? The Bible says he's been defeated. He's been defeated by Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross for the forgiveness of sins, past, present, and future. The devil now prowls around tempting, as Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 3, 5. I was afraid that in some way the tempter might have tempted you and our effort might have been useless. Make no mistake about it. He's gunning for you, right? That's what Paul's saying. He's he's gunning for you. I believe as we watch current events in the world unfold, many believers will be tempted more than ever before to question their faith, to desire the life the world has to offer because it it may seem easier to go with the flow of the world and to fulfill the desires of the flesh. Right? So as things begin to get harder in our world, as things begin to heat up in this world, like we know, just look at how things are. We know as things progress, the temptation for each and every one of us may be to say, I'm I'm done with this this Christian thing. The, The pressure's too much. The temptation to just fall back into the world and go with the flow and fulfill the desires of the flesh are just easier. Don't do it. Jesus says this concerning believers in Matthew 24 while describing, like I've alluded to, describing what the end of the age will look like. He says a lot of things, but I'm only going to read two verses of it. It says, at that time, many will turn away from the faith. He's talking about born-again believers here. He's talking about those in the faith. Many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. Unsettling times. Increase of wickedness is going to grow and grow in our world. Listen to me, if if you don't take anything from this message today, please hear me. We know this is going to take place. All these things are going to, it's already taken place. Wickedness is increasing. This is why more than ever, I believe this with all my heart, more than ever before, we need to be connected as the body of Christ. I just read to you 1 Peter 5, 8, what the devil does. He prowls around seeking who he can desire. And, and, and I say this, say this often, he, he's like a lion. And what does a lion do? If you ever watch a documentary about a lion, lions do what? They go to the herd and they seek the weak one out or the isolated one out and they attack. If you don't stay connected to the fellowship... And you isolate yourself and and say, God is in the woods and in the nature and all. This is my church, which he is. But you you, uh, do, as the Bible says, you stop meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. You're a target. You're easy, easy. You're easy prey. He's going to get you. He wear you down, right? 
tempt you, all those things that take place, more than ever, we need to stay connected. Be at church to fellowship, to worship, to pray, study God's word, be together as much as possible, get involved in a life group, confess your sins one to another, put on the full armor of God, resist the enemy and he will flee. And above everything else, you know what I'm going to say, praise the Lord. This is how we're going to have to navigate the temptation. You see a brother and sister that you're used to sitting around in church and you don't see them for a couple weeks? Call them up. Where you at? What's going on? How are things going? Can I pray for you? Everything okay? Yes, I'm hounding you. I'm not shaming you, but I'm hounding you. You need to... You need to get back in church because we need to love on you. We need to love on one another. You're having problems right now. Things aren't going well. Well, then why aren't you in church? This is where you need to be. So many people I hear over time say, well, you know, I'm going through this or that, and I just haven't really felt like it. I don't, you know, whatever the circumstances, you know, I'm not sure where God is. And, you know, all you guys have heard it all. I've probably used some of those myself over the years, Right? That's exactly why you should be in church. So we can lay hands on you, so we can pray for you, so you can tell us what's going on. So many people go through these times, I hear about it as a pastor, and I find out uh, down the road that something terrible happened to this family or this or that. They're like, well, how come nobody told us so we could have ministered to them, prayed for them, done something? Oh, we just didn't want to bother you. What's the church is for? The church is for hurting people. The church is for us to come together, to pray together, to laugh together, cry together, to be the body of Christ together. If you take yourself out, we don't have a clue what's going on. And as the increase of wickedness grows and we get more and more isolated, they want to separate the herd and get us divisive and fighting and all these different things about, should we wear a mask or not wear a mask? Should we do this or that? Just to divide us, to conquer us. We can't let it happen. Love and respect each other. Be together. Stay connected. Now we know in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 6 through 13, I'm not going to read all that today. We're going to move on to chapter 4 next week. But we know that Timothy, he comes back and, and he, Paul writes about what he said. Timothy's, he gives this encouraging report given of how this church he gives it to Paul, excuse me, of how this church, this young church, was standing firm in their faith under the trials, the persecution, and the temptation. Timothy comes back and he says, man, you don't need to wonder, you don't need to wonder anymore. Paul, these guys, these, this young church, they got it. They're staying connected. They're staying together. They're facing trials together, right? They're, they're facing the persecution, temptation. They're praising the Lord through it all. He gives them this this incredible report it's what timothy does so the big question for each of us this morning is this listen to me the big question for each of us this morning is this what would timothy say about your faith in light of these unsettling times we live in
Is that question bouncing around in the noggin right now? Only you can answer it. What would Timothy say about your faith in light of these unsettling times we live in? Would he go back to Paul and say, the bridge church or you fill in the blank with your name, go back and say, yeah, man, they're praising the Lord. The, the, the trials, the persecution, the temptation, they're praising the Lord through it all. They're standing firm, they're staying connected. Is that what he would say? And Paul would just rejoice in that? Or would he say something else? They decided to fight, bicker amongst themselves and with the world just to judge everybody, call everybody out, get on Facebook, slander, just rant and rave and just go after people because they want to be heard. They want to be justified in what they believe. It's not doing anybody good for the kingdom of God, but man, they're winning the conversations. They're winning that person that knows nothing about the Lord. They're, they're not winning them to the Lord, but they're giving them a what for. Stop it. See, I hope and pray you are standing firm and in light, and your light is shining brighter for the world to see because if the increase of wickedness continues, your light needs to get brighter. May your testimony from death to light shine bright through the trials, persecution, and temptations. Here's the deal. You have a story. Okay, you have a story. You have a testimony. We call it a testimony. You have a story. And all these people that aren't believers, uh, they, can, they can mock and they can ridicule. They can tell you how there's no God and then evolution and they can, all this stuff. And you can sit and smile and whatever, and you can prove things. You can do all you can and you may win or whatever, how that looks. But if you tell them your story, there's power in that because they cannot, they cannot disqualify your story. It's your story. And what is your faith story? It's simple. I say it all the time. It's who you were before you became a boarding a disciple, before you met Jesus. It's how you met Jesus. What is your Damascus Road experience? And it's what you're doing for Jesus now. That's your story. It's simple. It's easy to tell. My story. Before I met Jesus, I was a drunkard. I drank all the time. I was pathetic. I drank in the shower. I drank every chance I get. If I didn't drink before noon, I wasn't an alcoholic. I might not have stopped until 6 a.m., but if I could wait till noon, I was good to go. That was my reasoning. I, that's who I was. And then I met Jesus. Heaven's gates and hell's flames. The Holy Spirit got a hold of me. I began to weep. God, I, I gave my heart to the Lord. I had a Damascus Road experience. And now, for whatever insane reason, I don't know why, God has allowed me to be a pastor in his kingdom of God, never planned. Because I knew, I knew that I knew I had to share what he's done in my life. So that's my story. And you have a story, probably more powerful than that story. And it doesn't matter. Some people say, well, I didn't live a life like that. 
Praise the Lord. Man, I wish I could say that. You still have a story. It doesn't have to be one of, of extreme. I was addicted or all. It could be a, it could be a great story as well of, of how you were raised uh, by faithful parents. And at a young age, you gave your heart to the Lord. You still had a Damascus Road experience because you still met Jesus. And now what are you doing for him? That story is more powerful than my story. You have a story, church. You have a testimony. Could you please stand with me? If you would, if you're able. I want to celebrate today. I want to close our time as a point of celebration. Celebrate the victory we have and live in now as we wait for the return of Jesus. We have victory now as we're waiting for his return. Okay, we, we can fight off, we can live through the trials, we can, we can uh, fight off uh, the persecution and the temptation, and it's through our story. I'm going to read to you this verse on Revelation chapter 12, and we're going we're gonna to just begin to sing and praise, and I'll come back and close in prayer. Revelation chapter 12 says this, Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser, the tempter of our brothers who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. He's thrown off the cliff. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb, by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, by the work of the cross, by accepting his gift. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. Your story, your story is powerful. Your story brings stronghold. Your story speaks to people. Tell it when you can. If you're not sure, practice it. Who you were, how you met, what you to practice it, get it ready. There's power in your testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. They stood up to the trials, the persecution, and the temptations. Therefore rejoice, you heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has gone down to you. He is filled with fury, because he knows that his time is short. And to all that I say... Praise the Lord. Let's rejoice and then we'll close in prayer.